Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 4. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they seek to change the world, and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris, and you can find me at EwokKiller on Twitter. I play Finnegan Finn Tempest, a tiefling trainer, which is a Skyrend original class supported by the Metalweave Games supplement Baby Beastry. Finn is the trainer of Cerulius, a blue guard drake. Hi, my name is Nate. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Nate. I play Darvin Grimm, the human monk, and I am currently hosting Cade, the demigod of the land in my brain. Hi, I'm Shannon. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Shannon. I play Aranus Gray, the god of rebellion, and I am a half-elf bard. You can also find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast, and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. After about a day of prep and one trying to explain some of the mechanics of how to pilot the Regal Splendor, it's not entirely difficult, but yeah. (laughs) It is not a super difficult ship to pilot once you're up in the air, but it does require some know-how, some experience or practice. So to start things off, one will be handling that, but over time other people can learn and take on the work themselves. Departing from Earl, as the balloon in the dirigible fills up with hot air, it takes to the sky quickly. This ship and others similar to it work quite well in the cold weather of the winter band. They can be used to fly north through the autumn band, spring and summer, but traveling through the different weather zones can be a turbulent affair, but certainly possible for a skilled pilot. But you are heading south, deeper and deeper into the winter, towards Libera, where Malsius, leader of the conscription and devote and zealous follower of Corum, resides. But that is still some time away. The trip south is dark and cold. If you happen to be on the deck of the ship, Looking out into this perpetual night sky, it is hard not to imagine the vestiges and the looming tomb themselves. There are moments when it seems like eyes could be looking down at you, squinting, rubbing your eyes, shaking your head, and the effect seems to vanish. As you travel south, the clouds thin. There are times when they surround you, but more often than not, it is a clear sky, and it is incredibly dark. You might spot a torchlight or a lantern here and there, but there's no clear sign of mass settlement along the road south. There is a frozen ocean branch that travels in this direction as well, leading to Libera. Occasionally, you will see movement on it, perhaps even within it. 
difficult to say from this distance, but it follows steadfastly south. And there are times when the night is clear and the moon is bright that you can see glints of other portions of the ocean branches in the distance. During this trip south, everyone has a chance to relax, get to know the ship, get to know each other a little bit, stake their claims to different parts of the ship. The kids have certainly found a use for the tween deck, sometimes just for privacy, sometimes to get up to no good, but so far there have been no incidents aboard the ship. The galley is in good working order with the supplies you were able to bring from your wagons and perhaps some fresh food from Earl itself. You're able to eat well. It's good food. It's warm food. People will take turns cooking. Not everybody, of course. Ristos is not going to cook. Mahogany, she can cook one thing, I think. I think Mahogany can cook like one thing, and it's like biscuits. And that's it. But everyone tries their hand at it. And it's, it is not a short trip to get to Libera, even by air. The ride is certainly more comfortable than being in the wagons. And as long as you're below deck, warm enough, the boiler keeps it nice and toasty in here. So you do not have to worry about being in your winter garb unless you go above on the top deck. And on one of the days, as you travel south before you get to Libera, Reistos has something he needs to talk about. He has been asked to study and research a number of things on your behalf, including the Looming Tomb and those runes down in the bulb chamber at Earl. Mm-hmm. And he's got some things to share with folks if, if people are willing to listen. He's not going to interrupt because, yeah. I mean, he will interrupt, but if people ignore him or tell him to go away, fine. Nope. Yep. Willing to listen. Okay. Okay. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, he does have a captive audience, but he is enough of a jerk to be like, oh, you don't want to know? Fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he will come down from the tween deck with Seth. As mentioned, he and Seth have been getting a little closer, a little bit more friendly. Seth comes down from the tween deck with Rystos on his shoulder. Rystos, <clears throat> I uh, got some information that you should probably be sharing with y'all if you want to know more about the, about the runes down there and maybe a little bit about the looming tomb. And most folks will gather around. Asturias is disinterested, but she's not leaving. She's just playing with Chase a little bit. But she's still present. She's still listening. All right. So I was able to find what you all had deciphered before. Bears repeating. A knot in the fabric of the world. A tangled source of power. A bulb from which true power grows. And the bridge that opens the world. And there was some stuff down there that was broken. Worn away. Irretrievable. But there certainly was more. Uh, Three main points that he lists off here that he was able to decipher. The first is tangled by the desire and the ability to burn with passion. The second, a thousand candles burn hotter together than apart. And finally, and he looks to Darwin, this is why I was suggesting maybe if we can trust that kangaroo of yours getting Akiri's assistance. The third, may the joy of Akiri and Embreath serve as a beacon. Embreath? Really? <laughs> Ooh, killy do, killy neighbor. <laughs> now, what, what this all means and why it was forbidden by the other gods to know it, well, I think the last one there 
leads into why it might be forbidden. But based on this, and based on some of my other research into my rules, it's what I can put together is that these bulbs, these intensely magical, whatever they are, weren't always here. It would seem like our punished god, if not did it themselves, was the driving force between collecting them and grouping the magic that encased the world into points of extreme power. To what ends? It's difficult to say, but serving as a beacon and opening the world sure seem like it's something beyond simply this place. Bigger than Sarakar, bigger than Vorzeth, bigger than Celestia, bigger than all of it. Now, obviously, a first-hand account would go a long way to better understanding this. Not just what the words said, but what they actually mean and what was done and why they exist to begin with. Now, based on what you all have told me about Akiri, he was made to forget. But if the gods did make him forget, then perhaps some divine power could help him remember. As he looks at both Darvin and Aranus again, who... Darvin, housing Cade, and Aranus, directly divine, might have some uh, ability there. Okay, so I'm going to stop you. All right. I have been on the wrong side of Corum a lot. He looked me dead in the face and told me M. I'm assuming that's the M you're talking about. Did not know what she was and could not be allowed to know what she was. And there's a lot that I'm willing to cross him on, but this is a little terrifying. If she can't be allowed to know what she did, then something tells me we shouldn't dig it up. Uh Uh-huh. On the other hand, have you thought that maybe, this is some of Rysos' personal beliefs coming into play here, maybe that when a god says we shouldn't do something, That's the exact reason we should. I mean, it always occurs to me when it comes to Corum. Frankly. I don't know. I think it might be time to get an answer about what the hell happened, though. Because it seems like there's a bigger problem that might be connected to what happened. Really need to, like, calm all some gods. (laughs) Reistos asks, so you think Embreath means M, your loot, if I'm hearing you correctly. She was connected to Akiri. The two of them have a connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was her full name. Hell, here, she's right here. Ask her. <laughs> Are we going to talk to your loot for the first time in I don't know how goddamn long? Yeah. <laughs> um, ask her what? Hey, M. Is that your full name? <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Um, what was that? <laughs> Aranus, high or low? Ah, shit. <sighs> high. That's a four on the die. Yeah. I don't know how much M knows either. Like, all the specifics. There's certainly, like, a range of things that she can and can't know. Ah. So nice to hear you. Address me again, Arnus. 
I'm not going to be that rude because presumably <laughs> things have been happening that we just haven't seen where you've been at least like spending time with your loot because you play your loot and you chill with him and you do magic. So, <clears throat> so nice to have an audience again. <laughs> to be honest with you, Aranis, everybody, I'm not sure. There's a lot that I don't know. Feels familiar, but I can't say with any certainty. Risto says, well, if you think M is Embreath, then we've got two different options to explore here. Between her and the kangaroo. I... M says, hmm, options? I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm not sure we do. There is something here, and I don't know why, but it feels like it's connected to the looming tomb. It's just mm-hmm. something about it all being called a, like, gateway that freaks me out. Well, maybe I can help you out with that part there, Risto says. I wasn't able to find anything directly about the looming tomb by name. Or the hollow by name. But... This is a rule book. Drums his fingers on his little book. It is not an encyclopedia. Now, perhaps Barifax might have the full information on Ikirian Embreath, the looming tomb in the hollow. But uh, I was able to find references, let's just say. Warnings, actually. Arn, as you spoke with Koyabara, you learned about... Actually, does Rystos know everything that you talked about with Koyabara? Sure, why not? Okay. If not, I was just going to give it to you via the DM as opposed to via the NPC. But Arn, as you spoke with Koyabara, you talked about what it is that drives a cleric and how they make these connections. About reaching out for power and finding the god. There are warnings in here about reaching out and claiming power that you don't know. Is the Looming Tomb divine in any way? I don't know. Powerful, clearly, but divine. Difficult to say. Certainly not from here. I think I would know about him if I did, but I'd also think I would know about Akirian Embreath then if I... as well. So, from what I can tell, from what I can glean in my rulebook here, people, divine, mortal... However, people, if someone, if a group is continually seeking out power and finding nothing, eventually the nothing responds back. Is that why your grung friend was able to have a breakthrough in the teleportation box? Maybe. Is that why Orizaba and Lin Jarvis were able to do some manner of healing against the withering? Seems to be the case. Is that why Antidius was able to create those implants? Again, seems to be. There's a danger in seeking power and not caring where it comes from. And the more that people do it, the further they're pushed, the more likely it is to happen. I somehow doubt that these were the first people who connected with the Looming Tomb, and that there aren't more out there. Power's dangerous. Not knowing where it comes from is even more dangerous. So do I think that the bulbs and the looming tomb are connected? I don't think so. 
Could the Looming Tomb use that power themselves? I have no doubt. Were they to get here, there's no doubt. So take that for what you will. Darwin, Arnis, Finnegan, if that helps ease some of your concern about reaching out to Akiri and M. Okay. If it doesn't, that's your call as well. Uh, I, it seems to me that that is not the kind of change that can be reforged once broken. It might be something that we want to stay our hand at until we have more information. All right, all right. Understandable. Darvin, how are you feeling about all this? I'm not convinced. <laughs> but also, also still pretty tempted by that kangaroo. That's really cool. <laughs> like, if it were just me, I'd probably try it. Just mm-hmm. out of curiosity alone. <laughs> but I don't think Arnis would forgive me for that. <laughs> I think Seth definitely understands your caution. He's like nodding with all of your like worries and concerns here. Morello and Mahogany, though, they're very interested and they're a little disappointed that it's kind of going like, oh, we're not going to get to see something cool with a kangaroo. Felicity is very understanding about not doing something you aren't sure of. There are unknown dangers in attempting it, I will definitely say. Also, potential benefits. So, not willing to explore that option at the moment is what I'm taking as the takeaway. Yeah. I, I don't want to take it off the table because every time I think, well, they said this was a bad idea, I remember being like wholly dicked with by Coram. So I'm not sure why I'm taking his word. Is, is you, are you saying this out loud in character or is this out of character discussion? Because... I and Finnegan both have thoughts on that. <laughs> I um, I would probably I would be talking it out because mm-hmm. I like I I I am wholly curious. I'm just worried that attempting to bring back anybody's memory is gonna incite some weird apocalypse that we didn't intend. <laughs> and I don't need that shit on my hands again. <laughs> oh, you don't think the apocalypse of the embodied nothingness approaching isn't already weird enough well i think it's weird enough but I, here i don't want to accelerate it <laughs> if i can help mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. <laughs> no apocalypse buffet is what i'm hearing all right so um, then finnegan would add i if uh we've seen one thing over the last time traveling together is that there's more than one god you can talk to you can Talk to many of them, so you don't have to take Quorum's word for it. We could speak to any of the gods. Any one of us here is connected, clearly, to multiple. You don't have to sit and take Quorum's word for it. If you doubt it, we could reach out and do research and and gain knowledge beyond what the demon child, sorry, the small demon, has to say. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Sorry, the small. He's getting some concessions from Finnegan and about damn time. And we don't have to take the word of the god of death. I we've we've already promised, or at least I have, to help Agnitoi. We've come across on the road a god that we were not expecting. Who knows what is waiting for us around the next corner? There is no need to rush to a decision on this. It is 
He's a very large one. I agree with you there. There's some nods from your allies. It's not unanimous, but it's majority, I think, at this point. Rysos just says, okay, well, if it is something we want to explore, I will do my best to help. I know it's been a while since we sat down and did any formal training for Darwin or for Arnis, but this seems like a hands-on experience that perhaps we could work on together under the right circumstances, of course. Mm. But, but if nobody wants to explore this any further, like if this is like, cool, we got some more information, we'll stew on it. We'll sit on it. We'll not sit on it, you know, we'll mull it over. We'll think about it. That's fine. We don't need to try to resurrect a god right here and right now. Rystos isn't going to push this any more than he already has. If the group's decision is to wait, he'll wait. He will be here when you're ready for it. Or if you want to try it on your own without him, that's fine too. You can always try. But he's said his piece. He's given the information that he can. The new stuff that he's gleaned. What he knows about the runes, about Akiri, about Embreath, about the bulbs. And some information about the looming tomb. And then, can you just clarify, these are sequential, or is one a deeper translation of the other one? They're not deeper translations. These are other... They build upon each other. These are other phrases, other words that were found in the room. Okay. They all build on one another. They're meant to be taken as a whole, not like, oh, well, I interpreted it this way, then this way, then this way, then this way. These are different phrases and things that were around the room. There might have been scattered words too, but... Has just one question as the educated wizard in the group that I'm assuming I know the answer to, but I want to ask. Sure. And that is, hmm, are these in the order that they would have appeared? Like, if I'm looking at them at a tablet, Mm-mm. is this how they appeared? Or they did they appear in different places in the room? Like, that sort of thing. They were in different places of the room. Some of okay. the writing was in, like, a circle around the base of the bulb. Some of it was, like, scrolling along the perimeter of the room or vertically down columns. Just just trying to get to the understanding of, like, is this... If I'm going to try to understand this and analyze it at a deeper level, mm-hmm. one of the key points is putting together nouns in sequence, right? And mm-hmm. who is who in what sentence and what sentence goes first. And so that's the thing that Finnegan's going to want to try to understand as he tries to unlock what's being talked about in these okay. phrases. I think that's something that you can work on with Rystos. Got it. Because I don't have the answers right now. I did not put them together intentionally in this specific order, but looking back on it, we might be able to find stuff that's neat and interesting. But if you and Rystos want to work together on this, you can pal around a little bit and uh, do some research together or just some spitballing. I think the last one is definitely the last one, like the culmination of it, Mm -hmm. but it could also be the first thing, you know, it could have been in a circle for a reason. Like this is the beginning Mm -hmm. and the end of it. But again, without the firsthand knowledge, it's difficult to say. Some of it will be conjecture. Most academia is to some degree or another. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As this wraps up and Reistos leaves you all to think about what he's said and what he's revealed and this new information, there's still plenty of time before we get to Libera. Is there anything people want to do during the trip down there before we get to a day's out? 
I mean, I think I would be taking care of the animals. And then now that I've been given this, for lack of a better way of putting it, riddle, I'd be hacking away at that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As you're hanging out with the animals, Cyril and Chase do end up spending some more time together since you've grown closer with Asturias. And I have a question, which is just silly, and it's been gnawing at me since you mentioned her. At one point, she's interested, she's curious. Would that harness work on Chase, too? I mean, it's designed for creatures. So, I mean, yeah, I think at one point we definitely could have, like, tried it on Chase and seen how it worked and, like, had little bear cub Chase running around. (laughs) Okay. That makes me delighted. I don't know if Finnegan would allow that. No, no. Finnegan's got... There's enough in Finnegan that's not just, like, strategic, but also, like, there's that little bit of scientist in the back of his brain, too, that'd be like, oh, yeah, let's try it out. Let's see what it does. Mm -hmm. Okay. I also like the idea of a little mini chase running around. Little bear cub chase. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Okay. Riding on the back of Cyril. And Cyril rides on the back of Chase. Those are good times. Okay. Adorable. Okay, okay. Darvin or Arnis, is there anything that you want to do before we get right up to Libera? I think I'm good. I think I'm good, too. (laughs) In which case, let's advance the trip. Move that red dotted line down the map. Closer and closer to Libera. The weather has been largely the same. The snow is turning more to hail at some points. You can hear it bouncing off of the balloon. You can hear it clattering along the deck above. None of it's dangerous at this point. It's just you get snow and you get hail sometimes. And the temperature does drop. Not to the point where you need to put on your winter clothes below decks, but I don't think anyone's going around barefoot anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for the bear. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. And then Finnegan, I knew there was something that you wanted to do right before we got to Libera. Yeah. Chris, in terms of where Finnegan would want to do this, would he want to do this above deck or down in the uh, lounge area? I think it's one of those where, like, I kind of picture it being everybody else has kind of wandered off for the evening and we're all kind of left together. It's the night before we're going into town and we're the last ones up because we're like, gearing up to get ready to go do this thing so i'd say yeah probably inside where it's more comfortable okay 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 the journey south to libera aboard the regal splendor at least as it's called now is rather uneventful beyond what has already occurred information is shared bonds are strengthened people get comfortable aboard the ship it only takes a few weeks to get near libera It is a route that most here have never taken. One, a few times, long ago in the past, back when Earl was in a more adventurous mood. So we can tell that the city is near. And one evening, after everybody's finished dinner, folks are cleaning up, Old Juan comes down from the top deck and lets folks know, well, if I remember correctly, uh, it's been a while, but if I'm right, we should be getting into Libera late tomorrow sometime. I haven't been here in a while, so I don't know exactly what to expect. I certainly don't know much about this Malsius guy. The city itself, you know, 
not a bad place. A cold place, but not a bad place. We'll just have to figure out where to set down. But that's, that's something for tomorrow. We don't need to worry about that tonight. But we should start getting ready to disembark from the ship. You know, making sure we got everything packed up. Making sure we secure any of the uh, animals that we've let run loose throughout. There are some groans from the kids about, uh work. Even if it is just packing up your bags, you know. It's still, uh gotten so comfortable here. But after Olan announces this, everybody's tidying up from dinner. Finnegan and Cyril emerge from the hold below, after having spent some time with the animals. And Finnegan gathers folks together to go over some things that have been weighing on his mind for some time now. And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 City Council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello. At the $15 governor level, thank you, Phoenix Bryan and Sierra Jones. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrenpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrenpodcast.com. As always, thanks to Daryl Barnes for creating our theme music. You can find them on Twitter at Daryl Barnes underscore. We also want to thank the talented at Gabby underscore Desu on Twitter for our fantastic podcast art. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrend.